How should fundraisers plan for the rest of 2020 and into the next year? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by our longtime colleague, Rick Dunham. Rick is the founder and CEO of Dunham & Associates, where he provides consulting to nonprofits, primarily in the United States, but also around the world on effective fundraising strategies and practices. And he's also the immediate past chair of the Giving USA Foundation, which works closely with the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy each year to publish Giving USA. And Rick, what an absolute delight to have you with us here on the Fundraising Schools podcast. Good to be with you. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be with you. And before we look ahead to how do we plan for the second half of 2020, and of course, fundraisers are wondering about 2021, what highlights stand out most for you uh, in the Giving USA report that was issued here in the summer of 2020? Well, I think uh, obviously the fact that in current dollars, we set another record at just under $450 billion and uh, in total rep and total giving and the fact that um, all four sectors were up except for bequest pretty flat in terms of the the sources of giving and uh, all nine except for one international uh, in terms of recipient organizations were up and I think the big narrative in my mind is again giving USA is so valuable because of the longitudinal data and to go from what was essentially flat giving in 2018 when people were really concerned about well, was that the beginning of a trend, et cetera, to have giving recover at a very, fairly healthy pace was super encouraging. In fact, 2019, according to the data, was the second best year ever for charitable giving in the United States and continued a six-year trend of the best six years over time of yep. charitable giving in the United States. And that is another way Giving USA is so valuable, not just to look at the most recent year snapshot, but take a look at the trends. Take a look, for example, now we're in a recession, what happened in previous recessions? What can we learn from these data moving forward? And of course, Rick, the big question is with all of that six years of momentum and the second best year ever, you know, kind of think of a tide washing up onto the beach. Is there enough momentum to help fundraisers in 2020 and beyond as we're now amidst you know, fundraising during the pandemic. What do you think fundraisers should be doing here in the second half? What, what are you seeing for fundraising uh, as this calendar year continues and into the next year? That's a great question. Right early on at uh, the beginning of March, when things began to shut down and people were ordered to stay home, et cetera, and the economy began to shut down, uh, we began to advise our clients to lean into the moment be very transparent with the realities that they were facing as organizations, be empathetic with what donors are going through, but don't uh, make the decision for the donor of whether they should give or not. In other words, make sure that you put your case for support in front of your donors on a consistent basis. What I can say months later is the clients that have done that, which is pretty much across the board, we've seen in some cases record giving, uh, we've had a number of organizations who close out their uh, fiscal year in June. They've had their highest year of giving ever. And the momentum has seemed to be quite strong. So kind of on that side of things, anecdotally, we're seeing uh, if organizations are really intentional about engaging their supporters, that they're doing well. We also uh, fielded a study in April among uh, national set of donors to try to determine kind of their psyche and um, 
what we found uh, from that study was that uh, donors, for the most part, planned on staying the course in terms of their giving, and even in light of the pandemic. So, uh, and they, they were fairly bullish in terms of the economic recovery. They felt stronger and had more confidence in the economy and in their personal giving compared to even 2018. Even in the middle of, so this is the end of April. So even in the middle of the pandemic, they were feeling that. And then uh, we updated that study in July and found that what I would say is that donors are resilient. That's the word I would use. And they've weakened a bit in terms of the economic recovery and their view of how long it's going to take, but they're still pretty much doubling down on their continued support of charitable organizations that they care about. Rick, those are great data and very encouraging. I'd like to ask you to amplify first that first point you made about nonprofits you're working with that are seeing a lot of success fundraising, some of them even enjoying a record year as they closed out their fiscal year at the end of June. Again, could you summarize what did they do to allow that to happen? What were some of the practical steps that they employed uh, to enjoy that fundraising success? Uh, that's, again, great question. I would say the first thing that we did across the board was when we approached donors, whether it was in direct mail, in person, or through email, uh, first and foremost, we demonstrated empathy for the donor and what they were facing. So rather than just go straight after asking for support, we made sure that uh, to a client, we were acknowledging the fact that they as donors were like everybody else struggling through a very challenging time. And they were in our, our thoughts, our prayers, our concerns, and uh, wanted to know that they were on our minds. So just by creating more of an emotional connection with, their, with the donors, showing that we empathize with them, I think immediately shifted uh, the balance of the conversation so that we could then let the donor know, here's kind of what the organization's facing, here's the opportunity to continue to support, and um, we had one organization in uh, May was supposed to do a major fundraiser that they postponed. And instead, we just did a letter in the mail. Uh, this is an event fundraising kind of a thing. We did a, a letter just letting or, uh, donors know that we'd postponed the event. And uh, <laughs> we saw a record amount of, of income come through the mail. I mean, it was stunning how much donors supported the organization, appreciating the fact that it had postponed this event, but knew that it would have a financial impact on their operations. Rick, it sounds like nonprofits benefit from the relationships that they carefully stewarded with their donors over time in advance yep. of the pandemic. And they now benefit that the donor is close to the nonprofit. They get it. They understand the financial pain. What lesson do we take away uh, regarding donor stewardship from the success that you're seeing? Well, it's the word you just used, stewardship. Um, uh, I had this conversation last week with some high-level folks in an organization that uh, more than ever, they have got to make the focal point of their fundraising program, not how much money can we raise, but how well can we steward these relationships, especially during this time. Because the, the more effective we are in stewarding those relationships and honoring them and respecting them, the more revenue will come on the back end as we continue to cultivate the relationships. 
And now fundraisers are planning for the end of the calendar year. Uh, we know that typically in many years, about 40% of charitable giving in the United States happens in November and December. And for those uh, nonprofits that are on a calendar year budget, now they're being asked to put their plans together for 2021 for fundraising. What advice do you have for nonprofits in those situations? Uh, like I said earlier in our updated re uh, research on donor confidence, what we're seeing is uh, a fairly high level of commitment to stay engaged in, in supporting organizations. Uh, in fact, the percentage is ticked up to 83% uh, of donors saying they're going to continue to support uh, organizations as they have in the past. But, but they also, again, are, while they don't see uh, the, the economy declining, they see it improving, they see it uh, being a longer tail in terms of actual improvement. So I think um, when I combine that level of confidence with uh, saving rates, consumer spending, and kind of the general direction of the stock market, I put all those factors together and go, it could be a great end of year uh, if the economy continues to improve, people get back to work. And I think uh, people will be buoyed in terms of, um, of the eco economic improvement, especially getting back to work. But another point in our research, which was interesting, the households obviously least affected by the economy itself are those at $75,000 or more. So key giving, uh, key giving demographic in terms of um, giving, uh, as I would say you combine all of those factors and if you will do your due, your, your due diligence around communicating, stewarding, and keeping in front of your donors and giving them a reason to support you, you should see a very good end of year. There's no doubt we're in the worst economy since the Great Depression. But as Rick just noted, the economic struggles we're having, which are very real and not to be minimized, are not affecting all folks in the same people in terms of their levels of education uh, and their employment levels have been hit hardest during the safety of their laptop from the safety behind their closed doors, they shelter in place. And we know from the savings data, as Rick mentioned, from the consumer spending data uh, that Rick mentioned, that those folks uh, are still drawing an income. They often have less places they can be spending their money right now. Uh, and you combine that with a stock market that for much of the second half of 2020 thus far has been at or higher than where we were in January 1. Now remember that is not to minimize the economic pain so many households are feeling, but it does, Rick, provide some glimmer of hope, some glimmer of opportunity a sense of possibility for providing stewardship uh, with our donors that there are possibilities to fundraise here as the year closes out and into next year. Just curious, any, any last words of advice here before we close? Yeah, and that's where I go back to. Be empathetic with the donor. Don't minimize what donors have been through because they've been through a lot and they're feeling the effects of it at an emotional level. But be, and be, but be transparent about where you are as an organization and how they can contribute to the continued success of that charitable work. Rick Dunham is a national expert, as you've heard today, in fundraising. His work uh, actually crosses the globe, and we're so fortunate 
to have a close working relationship with Rick and his company uh, as they provide fundraising expertise to their nonprofits and of course through Giving USA. The Giving USA information is available on our school's website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash research and you'll learn how you can get the executive summary and purchase the full report. Now, after the forward slash, if you add the fundraising school, you learn about TFRS at your desk. We are open for business. In fact, we're more open now than ever before. Uh, our courses are available in person and online. Uh, we have current affairs courses coming up in January. Our Fridays with the fundraising school once a month where we get together to have a conversation, commiserate a little bit, share best practices. And of course, these podcasts, which come out every Monday morning, Eastern Standard Time, which have been tailored for fundraising during the pandemic. All that available again at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. With Rick Dunham, I'm Bill Sanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.